بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين Yesterday we said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guaranteed to the Prophet that he is going to protect the Quran, its recitation, its explanation and also collection. We mentioned in particular the verses from Surat Qiyamah, verses 16 to 19. This is in addition to the verses We discussed those verses as well. So Allah told the Prophet, don't move behi means with this for recitation of the Quran your time means don't start reciting the Quran before we finish revelation of the Quran to you truly it is upon us to put the Quran together to recite the Quran when we recite it then you follow its recitation and then it is upon us to explain it so the Prophet was given this instruction by Allah that he shouldn't be worried, he should be uh, patient till the revelation finishes and he will not forget it, he will not uh, be in doubt about it, everything will remain clear for him for later recitation. And after this, according to what is in Majma'ul Bayan, the Prophet used to wait till revelation finishes and Jibra'il also goes away, then he was reciting to the people. We said that based on these verses, it's impossible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets any alteration happen in the Quran or any change in order that may affect our understanding of the Quran because Allah says he has sent this down for purpose and he's going to protect it if some part of Quran is missing so the point of sending down the Quran is missed or if for example people keep the words but they change the words when the words are changed or the order are changed then the meaning would be different. So Allah definitely does not let anything happen which would affect our understanding of the Quran. And in particular, this verse from Surah Qiyamah is very important. It's up to us to put it together. 
Even if some people say this refers to putting together in the form of words before revelation, it doesn't make that much difference. If Allah has made this obligatory incumbent for himself, upon himself to put the words together before recitation, it's because this is important. So if someone says this refers to the process of choosing words before revelation, so what is the difference? If putting the words together is something that Allah has found it necessary, so even after revelation, Allah must keep it and maintain it, cannot leave it to the mercy of people. And also the Prophet. The Prophet could not have left this to the mercy of people, you know, whether they are going to protect it or not. Then we said that there are two major views among our scholars. Some believe that it was the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that according to Allah's will, who designed the chapters of the Qur'an. And some say that because revelation was still continuing till end of the life of the Prophet, so they say that it was natural to wait till the Prophet is dying, and then before his demise, the Prophet asked Imam Ali to uh, be very much concerned about this, not to do anything else, just to focus on this. And inshallah we will explain this later. The first group with whom I have uh, sympathy, and I think that's the better idea, and it's more in line with the Quranic point which we mentioned, includes people from early generations of ulama up to now. People like Sayyidah Murtala, who is a very distinguished scholar, uh, at early uh, time of minor occultation, up to the late Ayatollah Khoui Rahmatullah. And Ayatollah Khoui Rahmatullah in his book Al Bayan, which Alhamdulillah has been translated also into English, uh, has a detailed discussion about this. So anyone interested can refer to Al Bayan. I give you a summary of some of the points that he mentions in Al Bayan. In the Arabic version, which is the original one, it starts from page. 238. It's for about 20, 30 pages. He says that some people have suggested that there has been a change uh, in the, or a kind of, if you don't call it change, a kind of, you can say, role for the companions of the Prophet and the Caliphs in particular in deciding what format and what order we should have the Qur'an. So the Qur'an that we have today, the order is designed by the Caliphs and some companions of the Prophet uh, in the sense that the chapters were decided by them to include which verses. And then they mention that, for example, after a battle, which is very famous, Harbul Yamama, the Battle of Yamama, 400 memorizers of the Quran were killed. Because in the time of the first caliph, Musaylama, the liar, Kazab, 
claimed to be a prophet and some people believed in him. So the caliph sent some people to uh, fight them. And in this one battle, 400 memorizers of the Quran were killed. Of course, in the one sense, it shows that how much Muslims were careful about the Quran, that just in one battle there were hundreds of hufaz of the Quran. So it means that this was very common for Muslims to memorize the Quran. But also it was a worry that if these hufaz die or get killed, so there would be a problem. Or for example, in Be'er Ma'una, there was another fight and 70 hufaz were killed. So it is said that the first caliph was worried that if these hufaz are killed, so the Quran may be, na'uzu billah, lost. So he uh, commissioned some people like Zayd ibn Sabit to collect all the uh, records of the Quran which were uh, written on skins or bones, these kind of things, and produce a copy of the Quran which is written. And then they say that uh, this also was decided by the Caliph that to what chapter, which chapter the verses must be put. Because, for example, chapters like Baqarah are very big. They were not all revealed at the same time. So they were deciding to which part of the Quran they should insert these verses. And also what happened was that they said that they asked everyone who remembers Quran or has, you know, some pieces of the Quran written somewhere, should bring it with two witnesses, that they verify that this is authentic, so that they take, take that into account. So, reports like this make everything really uh, dubious, everything, you know, is clouded, that if two people, you know, can come and just say that this is the Quran, then it's very dangerous. And forget that it doesn't make sense when there is a society in which there, there are hundreds of memorizers of the Quran, how people, you know, then would be asked to bring uh, records of the Quran. Quran was not a rare collection that only some people had part of it. It was something which was well known and the Muslims were very strict. Even it is said that the second caliph once reciting one verse of the Quran about Muhajirun uh, and Ansar and Tabi'in, he forgot or he didn't remember to mention one vav. He forgot to mention vav. And one person stood up and said that you forgot Wav. And then he brought out his sword and said that if you make a mistake like this, next time our sword is over you. So they were so much careful about the Quran. And these reports don't make sense. But anyway, because we want to be completely sure, so I thought we benefit from uh, this book and mention some of these reports and then find out the problems with them. So, Ayatollah Khoui has brought all these different his, uh, historical reports which are mostly from Sunni sources 
and then he studies them. For example, there is a report that Zayd ibn Sabit, one of the, you know Zayd ibn Sabit, uh, companions of the Prophet, who was also close to the Prophet, he says that uh, after the war of Yamama, when hundreds of Hufaz were killed, uh, Abu Bakr sent to me, and Omar ibn Khattab was with him. And Abu Bakr told me that Omar has come to me and has said that we must do something to protect the Qur'an. And he has suggested to me this, and I have accepted his opinion. So we want to give you this task, that you put this Qur'an together. Then he says, I told them, how you are going to do something that the Prophet himself didn't do. The Prophet himself didn't decide to put all the Quranic verses together. And then he says, uh, the second caliph, which at that time was just the advisor for the first caliph, by Allah, this is a good idea that we put them together. And then he says, فَلَمْ يَزَلْ عُمَرُ يُرَاجِعُنِي then he was coming to me and insisting on this till I accepted it. And also Abu Bakr told me, You are a young person. You are a reasonable, intelligent person. We don't have any charges against you. We trust you. Also, you were one of the people who were writing down the Qutabul Wahy because the Prophet had commissioned some people as Qutabul Wahy. Anyway, he says, I finally accepted. But he says, by Allah, if they had asked me to move a mountain was easier than this job. But I accepted. And this is one report. And one of the things that, for example, he says, he says that uh, I collected all the, uh, you know, reports of the Quran. And then he said, The only thing which was remaining was the ending of Surah Tawbah. And this I found it with Abu Khuzaymah. It's really nonsense. How can you say in a town in which there are hundreds of Hufaz, then you don't find the ver last verses of Surah Tawbah except with one person. And if only one person has this, then how can you be sure? So he said, the, I found this with Abi Khuzaymah al-Ansari. Lam ajadha ma ahadin ghayra. I didn't find this with anyone else. It was only he who had this Verses. لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسَكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِمَا عَنَدْتُمْ حَرِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَعُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ Verse 128. فَإِنْ تَوَلَّوْ فَقُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ عَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْتُ هُوَ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمِ Verse 129. So he said, this is what I found this. And then he said, when I he kept it, and when the second caliph uh, was killed, he gave it to Hafsa, 
the daughter of the second caliph was wife of the prophet and it was with Hafsa. And of course, according to some of their uh, reports, then the third caliph took this from Hafsa. And some say they destroyed it. There is another hadith that says a person called Huzaifat ibn al-Yaman went to see Osman. And he was a person who was uh, in Syria and was, you know, a Sham. At that time they called it Sham. And he was in, taking part in some battles there. And he found that Muslims in that area have different views on recitation of the Quran. So he told the Khalif uh, Osman, Ya Amir al-Mu'minin, Adrik hadhi al-Ummah, Please do something before what happened to Jews and Christians happened to Muslims, that they disagreed on their book. You have to do something quickly, otherwise this happens to Muslims as well. And then he says, فَأَرْسَلَ Uthman إِلَى حَفْسَةِ Uthman sent to Hafsa, the daughter of the second caliph, and said, give us the copy that is with you. So, فَأَرْسَلَتْ بِهَا حَفْسَةَ إِلَىٰ عُثْمَانِ Hafsa sent that copy to Uthman. فَأَمَرَ زَيْدَ بْنَ سَابِتْ وَعَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنَ الزُّبَيْرِ وَسَعِيدِ بْنَ الْعَاسِ وَعَبْدُ الرَّحْمَانِ بْنَ الْحَرَسِ فَنَّسَخُوهَا فِي الْمَسَاهِرِ Then ask these people to make copy of that copy and they become the original uh, copies. And then he said to some of the people, Among these four people, one was Zayd ibn Sabit who was from Mecca, the other were from Medina, so they were not Quraysh. He said, if you four people in some places have differences in your opinion about how to recite, follow the rules of Quraysh, because Quran was revealed in the language of the Quraysh, and Zayd is from Quraysh. Then, they, when they finished, he said that, okay, now we have these copies which are identical, and then he said, any copy other than these copies must be burnt. He said everything else must be burnt. So what he did, he produced four copies and then sent them around so that they be taken as models for other Muslims. Then there is another hadith which says, report by them, which says, uh, indeed they quote from Imam Ali salam that he said nas fil ajran Abu Bakr. the person who is great, uh, receiving greatest reward for putting the Quran together is Abu Bakr he was the first person to put the Quran in between two covers like a book in another Narration, Abu Bakr al-Sadiq, Kana Jama' al-Quran fi Qaratis. 
He was the one who put the Quran on papers instead of on bones and skins. And he asked Zayd ibn Saba to look at that and Zayd didn't want, then uh, they insisted on him with the help of uh, Omar and he finally accepted. And then you find that there are m many different narrations I don't have time to mention. Ayatollah Khoui mentions all. There are 22 different reports. And you find they are very much conflicting. Some of them say that it was the first caliph. Some of them say it was the second. Some say it was the third. Sometimes they say it was Zayd ibn Sabat. Sometimes they mention other people. Sometimes they say they ask people to bring witnesses, two witnesses. Sometimes they say that when Zayd was alone, Omar was saying, I am his second witness. So just you know, supporting him. So... Ayatollah Khoui, after bringing all these reports, he starts studying them and evaluating them very carefully. And he raises many questions. For example, when was the time of putting this together? He says in these 22 reports, some of them say it was Osman, according to the first and the third and the fourth report, some say it was Abu Bakr, and some say it was Omar. So very much conflicting. Then he says, who was in charge, who was appointed to be in charge of this process? Some of them say it was Zayd ibn Sabat, some people say it was Abu Bakr himself, some people say Omar went and asked Abu Bakr to do this. So it's not, again, the same thing. Then about the authority of Zayd, how much he had authority? Some people say that it was full authority that the first caliph gave Abu, uh, sorry, Abu Bakr gave to Zayd. Some say no. They just asked him to ask people to bring their own witnesses. So there are many questions which are very critical. And then about what did they do with these copies, whether they sent them to other places or not. And altogether, we find that these reports, which first of all have not come through very reliable sources, in addition to that, they are conflicting with each other. And the whole story is very much clouded and unclear. And at the end, it doesn't fit into what we said about the Quran itself, which says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has undertaken the protection of this book. How is it possible you leave the whole word of God for two people to come and say that this is from Quran? Indeed, Muslim scholars from all different schools of Islam has said that Quran must be proved by tawatur, not just by two people. Tawatur means that you must have so many people at every generation that leaves no doubt, so frequently mentioned. Even for some uh, issues related to our aqidah, many ulama believe that khabar wahid is not hujjah. It means that you cannot just say, Two just people have said this, so this is 
the basis for our aqidah. For doctrinal issues, we should have tawatur. So, the whole story is very uh, unreasonable and unaccepted. And on the other hand, we have other reports which make more sense. And this is also available in Al-Bayan, if you like. For example, look at this one. A person says, I told Osman, why you put Surat Anfal here next to Surat Bara'ah? And he says, Inna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam kana mimma ya'ti alayhi zaman yanzalu alayhi sura zat al-adad wa kana idha nazala alayhi shay yad'u ba'dha man yaktub inda fayagul dha'u hadha fi surat al-lati yudhkaru fiha kada wa kada. He said the Prophet, whenever something was revealed to him, was asking those people that he had appointed as Qutabul Wa'i to come, he said, come, put these verses in that particular place. So the Prophet himself was giving them instruction that you must put this after those verses. So some chapters were finished, some chapters were left open, and the Prophet was saying, now this must go after that verse. So, then he says that Anfal was revealed in Medina and Surat Bara was also there and according to the instruction of the Prophet, we gave this order. And there are many hadiths like this, that the Prophet himself was telling, you should put these verses in that surah. Or as I said yesterday, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did tahaddi or challenge and said bring 10 surahs like the Quran or at least later said one surah. So it means that the surahs were formed in the time of the Prophet. They knew what the surah mean. Or for example, for many years Muslims were asked to read Surah Al-Hamd and another surah. If they didn't know what is surah meaning and they just, you know, had verses, scattered verses. So how could they decide where they should start, where they should end? Or when the Prophet said, this is the reward for recitation of, for example, Surat Qul Huwallah, for Surat Ankabut. So it means that these surahs were known to them, and they were already formed as one package. It was not something left for the people later to decide. Especially because in many cases you can understand important points from previous verse or next verse. If you believe that these verses are just put there by chance or accident or decision of a human being, a normal person, then it will be very confusing. You know, I, if I write a book... And then you decide where to put my lines. And you put them you know, as you wish. Then my whole idea would be lost. I no longer say this is my book. Even if I give a letter to you, few pages, 
and then you change the lines. You keep the lines, but just change the order. I said, I don't accept this as my writing. This is your writing. Because I said something to prepare for the idea that I was going to discuss later. And I was very careful in my wording. You messed up everything. So, it's impossible to think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet didn't do anything with this. And then it was later that they decided to this and just by relying on memory of some people or, you know, some piece of bone or skin, you know, that they found in someone's house, they made the Qur'an. This is, doesn't make sense. Especially when we have many reports that the Prophet himself was doing this. There were so many hufas of the Qur'an. How could you memorize the Qur'an and without any organization? You know, something which is very important for the memorizers is to have organization. Imagine Quran is six, more than 6,000 verses. If you want to memorize 6,000 verses without organization, it's impossible. One of the main skills of memorization is always to classify and put them in different folders. Otherwise, you cannot keep them together. Even there are people, for example, who can quickly uh, remember numbers. You give them 20, 30 digit number, 40 digit number, one minute they memorize. But how do they do it? They make it into a smaller blocks and they remember it. Even, you know, your mobile number, without dividing that into three, four smaller, you know, digits, you cannot memorize it. Those memorizers, how could they memorize more than 6,000 verses without having any structure like chapters? Because if you have chapters, then your mind is relaxed. Okay, this is one chapter finished. But if they are all going around without any order, it's impossible for them to memorize. So, what we believe, I'm not saying we as the um, whole school of Ahlul Bayt, because among our scholars, some say that some chapters were uh, decided later, but I personally prefer the view of Sayyid Murtada and Ayatollah Hui and many ulama like this who believe that the chapters were formed and introduced to the people by the Prophet himself. And the only thing that we may, you know, find it different from the version that Imam Ali put together is the chronological order. Chapters were decided by the Prophet, but whether Surat Baqarah should be the second chapter and Surat Ali Imran the third and Surat Nisa fourth, Ma'idah fifth, or they should be put in the way that they were revealed according to the chronological order. So the first, for example, verse about, for example, this must be at the beginning or not. This is another issue that it doesn't that much actually affect our understanding. Because at the end, what is important is even if something is revealed in Mecca and another thing in Medina, to understand the Quranic view, you have to put them all together. Because Al-Quran, 
You cannot start with the beginning of the Quran and say, okay, this is the Quranic view. You have to go up to the end and get the overall picture. Because inside the Quran there is Am and Khas. There are some general ideas, but they are later modified. There are Nasikh and Mansukh. Sometimes Allah made a ruling and later that ruling was abrogated. For example, Allah said to the Muslims that when you want to talk to the Prophet privately and you want to whisper, you should pay sadaqah. Then later this was abrogated because other than Imam Ali, no one was paying sadaqah. So it was abrogated. Or initially they were asked not to have relations, husband and wife, in the nights of months of Ramadan. Later it was abrogated that in the night it is okay. Or for example, Allah first didn't give permission to Muslims to defend themselves in a militant way. So even if they were killed, they had no permission to fight back. Later Allah gave them permission to defend themselves. So this is Nasikh and Mansukh. So how can you understand this? The only way is to understand the whole Quran. Therefore, we have many hadiths which says, Al-Quran yufassaru ba'adhu ba'adha or yantaqo ba'adhu ba'adha. You need to have all Quran together so that you can understand what is the Quranic view. And this is the problem of people who don't have deep knowledge of the Quran, familiarity with the Quran. They open one page of the Quran and they say this is Islamic view. But they don't know that there are things later or earlier that explain this. So, the order of the chapters are not that much affecting us. Whether, for example, you start with Surah Baqarah or start with Surah Alaq, it doesn't make that much difference. What is important is that there are 114 chapters and they are all together. But, even with respect to this, some people say it was the Prophet himself who instructed like this. To start first with the long chapters and then intermediate middle-sized chapters and then the chapters which have more verses up to the end. But this is not that much important. What we have is that the Prophet asked Imam Ali to be very much focused on making the Qur'an available in the way that he instructed him. For example, there is a hadith. The Imam said, قَالَ رَسُولُ Imam Ali said, the Prophet told, isn't this that the book of Allah after Allah is the most important thing? In the whole world, after Allah, Quran is the most important thing. More important than prophets and imams and human beings and angels. Because it's the word of God. They are all creation. Creatures of God are not that, the same as word of God. So the Prophet told me, isn't the book of Allah the best thing after Allah? The book of Allah, 
Then the Prophet said, if you don't do this, then it will not be done in the proper way. So Imam Ali says that the Prophet gave me this task. And according to Imam Ali, apart from Jum'ah prayer, he didn't put his cloak on his shoulder, he didn't go out after finishing the burial of the Prophet. For maybe six months, he just concentrated on this. And then, Imam Salam presented what he had put together to the first caliph. Even in this time, some people went to the first caliph and said, the reason that Ali is not coming out because he doesn't accept you, he's you know, opposing you, and the first caliph called Imam, and Imam said, no, I am just focusing on the Quran. It's not a political issue. I am focusing on the Quran. And the first caliph said, okay, go on. So, this is very important, that everyone knew that Ali is commissioned by the Prophet to do this, and Ali, with respect to this, would not be, you know, soft, or would not, you know, be someone who would compromise. So, even... If there was a chance to change something, you know, some people may have thought that may, we may change something after the Prophet fixed. They knew that this is not possible. Because Ali is working on this and putting all the notes, everything together. So, when Imam presented, they didn't accept. Why? Because they had something similar to that, but Imam's version had extra notes. For example, Imam had put along with the verses and chapters the time that the verse was revealed. First year, second year, third year, Mecca, Medina, and also Sha'an Nuzul. This verse, for example, was revealed in the day of Ghadir. And this was the reason. It was revealed to declare that people should pay allegiance to Imam Ali for Imama. This was revealed in this particular when someone said something wrong. So, when he had this Sha'an Nuzul and chronological order, they didn't like it. Because they found maybe this is restrictive or for any reason. But the essence was the same. The Quran was the same. Chapters, verses, everything was the same. And therefore you see that Imam Ali didn't insist. If there was a big difference, if there was something from Quran missing, Imam Ali definitely would not you know, compromise. Because this is the whole basis of Islam. Quran is the most important thing. The Prophet has told him this is the most important thing after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also later, other Imams also didn't say anything that we don't have this, accept this Quran, this Quran is not reliable, this is, you know, something. Indeed, we have quite opposite. We have many hadiths from Imam, we say, whenever you hear something from us, check it against the Quran. And there was only one Quran available. So, Imams were asking the Shia, the followers, whenever you hear some hadith from us, Check it with the Quran. Check it against the Quran. If it is in compliance with the Quran, accept it. Otherwise, throw it away. 
If you receive two hadith, one is conflicting the other, again check both against the Quran. The one which is in compliance with the Quran, the other one rejected. Or for example, the Imam were telling the Shia, whenever we tell you something, ask us to give you reference from the Quran. So, for example, someone asked Imam, why for wuzu, we only can wipe part of the head and the feet. We don't need to wipe all of it. Imam said, لِمَّكَانِ الْبَعَةِ Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسَكُمْ So I say, وَمْسَحُوا رُؤُوسَكُمْ If it was, وَمْسَحُوا رُؤُوسَكُمْ Wipe your head, it means that all of it. But it says, بِه بِه means to touch is enough. Because بَعِذْ لَلْأَلْسَاقِ Means if wiping is for part of the head. So they were so keen and eager to train the followers to always focus on the Quran, ask everything to be based on the Quran, explained by the Quran, checked with the Quran. If the Quran was different from what was revealed to the Prophet, they would have at least secretly say, no, we don't believe in this Quran, we have our own Quran. This is not the case. And also, our ulama, generation by generation, they have always focused on the same Quran. So, it is true that Imam Ali had put all these together, but these were additional information, like uh, chronological order, uh, stories about the revelation, when was it revealed, and these kind of things. So, this is a very clear issue, we don't have any doubt about this, throughout the history of Islam, generation by generation, always the time of Imam and after that, all the Shia community have had faith in the same Quran. And it's very reasonable position because as I said, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided to send to humanity for their guidance an eternal message, he doesn't let anything that can affect the function of this book to happen. Yes. Sometimes people misrepresent Quran, misinterpret the Quran. This is not a problem. Why? Because still the Quran is available. If, for example, imagine one generation of scholars deviate and they misinterpret the Quran. Okay, Quran is still there. The next generation can go back fresh to the Quran. So misinterpretation doesn't affect the Quran because the Quran is there. But distortion of the text would affect the whole history. It's not like misinterpretation. Misinterpretation is something outside the Quran. Anything which affects the Quran, any addition or reduction or misplace of the words would not happen. Not only has not happened so far, it will not happen till the end of the world because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aziz and this book is also Aziz, like Kitabun Aziz. Means something which is not defeated, something no one can penetrate into, something that no one can break it or divide it. If someone can defeat Allah, they can defeat Quran. If someone can Billah, break Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's integrity, then they can do this with the Quran. So we are hundred percent sure that this is 
exactly the Quran which was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And we have to pay as much as possible attention to this Quran. I want to end with a hadith about the significance of the Quran and inshallah tomorrow we will talk about how to understand the Quran. One of the hadith is from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, this is if you want to find the reference, it's in Biharul Anwar, volume 89, page 22, narrated from Tafsir, uh, which is attributed to Imam Hassan al Askari. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna hadha al Quran huwa nurul mubin. This Qur'an is a clear light. This is expression taken from the Qur'an itself. Qur'an is a nur al-mubin, as we explained before. It's a light that you can understand. It's not a light that you don't understand, like light of angels, light of mu'min. We may not understand, but Qur'an is a light that every person with average understanding can understand and relate to. وَالْحَبْلُ الْمَتِينَ Qur'an is the rope which is extended to us. One side is held by Allah, the other side is available to us, which is matin, means is strong, it's firm, it's not shaking, it's not loose. And the strongest handhold, urwa is something like the door when you want to open, that is called urwa. Al-Urwatul Wuthqa, the strongest handhold. Wad-Darajatul Ulya, the highest rank. According to many, many hadiths, the number of the levels and ranks in heaven is equal to the number of the verses of the Quran. So depending how much you can prove that you have absorbed the Qur'an, you will be raised. So, for example, Qur'an is some 6,000 verses. Okay? How many percentage of that we have absorbed and taken on board? Then based on that, we will be elevated. Some people have benefited from the whole Qur'an, implemented the whole Qur'an. So they will be in the top position. Some people lower, lower, lower. Some people would be just in the bottom, just enough to go into heaven. And some people, Quran would say, no, these people have rejected me. Quran is healing. One of the qualities of the Quran is that the Quran is healing. نُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ الشِّفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ All the illnesses of the heart, all the disease of the soul can be solved by the Qur'an. وَالْفَذِيلَةُ الْكُبْرَةُ The greatest 
merit, greatest virtue. وَالسَّعَادَةِ الْعُظْمَى Quran is greatest happiness. It doesn't say it makes you happy. Quran by itself is happiness. It's like heaven. Heaven is happiness. Quran is happiness. It means that you don't need anything other than the Quran. Just be with the Quran, you are happy. You have salvation. The Prophet said, whoever seeks light from the Quran, ask Quran for light, Allah will give him light. If you fasten your affairs with the Quran, you know, Quran is like a rope. You want to do something, fasten it and tie it with the Quran. Then you will become successful. If you want to make, I don't know, a project, a business, some community work, whatever, if you do it according to the Quran, everything is built around the Quran, then Asamahullah, Allah will protect it. Waman tamasakabehi and and if you hold it, Allah will save you. The one who doesn't leave aside the rulings of the Qur'an, the laws of the Qur'an, Allah will elevate him. And the one who asks healing from the Qur'an, Allah will heal him. The one who prefers Quran and chooses Quran over other things, other books, other messages, other thoughts, other schools of thought, Allah will guide him. This is only one hadith, and there are many hadiths about the significance of the Quran. So, this is a great gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the greatest gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is coming from Him. It's not created, it's Allah Himself speaking to us. Allah's word, and inshallah, we should make most of it, inshallah, by implementing the Qur'an and following the Qur'an and getting the light of the Qur'an, inshallah. May Allah make this month of Ramadan a good opportunity for us to go back to the Qur'an and restore our relation with the Qur'an and never separate from the Qur'an, inshallah. Thank you very much. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Oh.